Greetings, ladies and gents, and welcome to this daily science fiction extravaganza, commonly known as Tales, Tales from Outer from space. Out, space. Out, space. Taken from the subreddit HFY, all the relevant links will be down below. And, as always, I hope that you enjoy. And if you do, please consider supporting the channel. On to the science fiction. Story number one, Endoskeleton, written by Fissa946. Kirk waved his appendages in the air in frustration. He was confident that he was one of the best fighters in the pit, the subterranean arena for Xenos of all creeds and nations to come to fight for glory and credits and he had been advancing through the ranks rapidly ever since the debut of Zippy's career. A recent fight with Gokudu, a massive chick with an inch thick of carapace, had ended up in defeat, and he had been forced to fight some lower-ranking opponents to move his way back. Though he knew that it was necessary to face fighters that were beneath him, this was too much to ask for. I have standards, dammit. What the hell is that? You expect me to fight that thing? It's absurd, you just look at it. It's got no exoskeleton. It's only got two arms. You may as well throw an amputee in the ring. It's beneath me to fight that. Kirk crossed both of his arms and shouted at his coach. His opponent in question was a soft-bodied Xena with only four appendages and only two forward-facing eyes. Two of the four appendages were devoted to standing, and Kirk couldn't fathom how he was able to balance with so few. Xenos without protective carapaces weren't unheard of, but they were usually small and reproduced incredibly rapidly to survive as a species. Some garden worlds with little competition and plentiful food facilitated the evolution of intelligent, soft-bodied species though they were hardly fit for a medium to heavy work, let alone fighting in the pit. Soft-bodied Xenos rarely even made it off their cradle planet due to the delicate nature of their bodies. If this was the first time Kirk, or anyone in the audience, for that matter, had seen one up close, it was both repulsive and comical, to say the least. Ah, yeah, shut up, why don't you? You think we get to pick after your crap show with Gokudu? Kirk made a face at the comment. Half of the fighters in the pit knew Gokudu was using illegal substances to facilitate his unnatural size and strength, which was against the rules, but no one called him out on it because the other half of the fighters were using synthetic hormones and chemical stimulants as well. Kirk prided himself on sticking to the original spirit of the fight. It was supposed to be a brutal clash between two insectoids using nothing other than the natural gifts to survive. There were very few rules in the pit, namely no artificial weapons, no performance-enhancing substances, and, most importantly, no mercy. Get the hell in there and squash that freaking thing so that we can get a farce out of the way and get you moving back to the ranks and fight the championship. You want a revenge on the cheating bastard Gokudu, don't you? Kirk nodded angry. Then get your big fat shell down there and fight. Just try and not spray its guts in my direction, or I'll come in and kick your arse myself. Kirk's coach, 
Tug was a three-armed Kakatan with his fighting days behind him. His brightly patterned shell had faded over the years, but his language only grew more colorful as time passed, and he was still a fight trainer. Garuk stood nearly twice the height, but he always looked up to Tug's fighting career. Tug had won the championship three cycles running, before the big nasty Kryak tore one of his arms off, forcing him to retire. Yeah, fine, whatever. No promises about splattering you with guts, though. Kirik chittered through his mandibles as he strutted past the noisy crowds to the center of the arena. Tug, pushing and shoving through the masses, Kirik felt several appendages touch his shell, and a diehard fan nearly halted his procession with the offer to bear his brood. Tug swore loudly and pushed her out of the way. Kirk wiggled his antenna affectionately as he passed, as a sort of apology to clearly disillusional admirer. She was completely different species. Kirk's bow legs moved him smoothly over the sloping ground, down to the stone in the center. The dirt floor had been firmly packed by millions of passing Xenos, come to watch the fighting, and the high ceiling was dotted with electric lanterns, casting a yellowish glow on the entire chamber. The bed itself was a massive burrow hidden from the outside world and only accessible by those with the inclination and credits. It had originally been a Queen Skurrock's chambers when the planet had been young, but the queen was now no more than a figurehead, and the people of the dry world were no longer completely hers. The Skurricks composed less than half of the population, and interspecies feuds were commonplace on a diverse world. The government appeased the crowds with periodic fights available to all for viewing, and social unrest was kept at a perpetual simmer. However, surface fighting had not been enough to slake some individual's thirst for violence. Those fighters didn't offer what the pit did. The pit offered blood. Lots of blood. Just like on the surface, two fighters would climb up on the stone for six six six-minute rounds, punctuated by the beginning and end of loud sirens. The stone had originally been an actual boulder when the first fights were fought, but had since been reduced to a flat, standardized circle, slightly raised above the ground level to emulate a stunted cylinder of salts. The difference with the illegal pit fights was that they usually ended before the sixth siren could mark the end of the third round. Usually, only one Xeno ever left to climb down the stone as the fighters in the pit frequently fought to the death. Winners were declared when their opponent was dead or no longer fit to fight. But the two conditions weren't mutually exclusive, and those who lost due to disability only ever left with their lives thanks to the siren making the end of the round. Kirk climbed upon the stone to the cheers of his loyal fans. He had been a crowd favorite since before his match with Kokudu, and even after his humiliating defeat. Many saw him as an unlikely winner of the championship, but that only made their cheering more fervent and even served to draw in more fans. If there was one thing that was true across most species, it was that everyone loved a long shot. There were also those who supported whoever they believed had the best shot of winning, or simply because they'd supported that Xeno in the past. Garrick felt thousands of multifaceted eyes fixated upon him as he held up his forearms and turned to the audience. He 
and a good mix of all three groups tonight. The spongy Zena at the other end of the stone was sitting on the ledge with a great big mirrory standing before it that Kirk could only assume was the Zena's coach. He scoffed when he saw them. That mirrory must have been a pretty stupid to invest the time and energy into such a squishy fighter, if it could even consider it one. The two were speaking in low voices, though Kirk knew that the creature such as that could not hope to emulate the precise clicks of the delicate chittering of the common language into world basic. Soft, flabby orifices such as its own were clumsy and moist, completely unlike the delicate and exact mouth parts of most Xenos possessed. Beneath the stone, the sheathing mass of Xenos chittered, choked, clattered and crawled against one another in anticipation for the fight. Up on top, Kirk could see that the turnout was rather poor compared to his usual fights. Perhaps on account of his meek competition, he surmised. Good, he thought, at least there will be fewer eyes to see the mockery of pit fighting. Hanging from the distant ceiling and supporting by her stilks threads, the thwock mediator looked like a disgusting yellow and grey carapace covered in a multitude of seemingly randomly placed appendages. Numerous, tiny black eyes peered hungrily from its minuscule head, hanging at what Kirk guessed to be the bottom of her body. The only rule she enforced in the pit was that the sirens making the end of each bout. In Tuag's day, there were no rounds, but the fights were too short for the taste of the crowds and had since been lengthened by giving fighters short respites between trying to pummel each other into oblivion. It also served to calm the fans long enough for vendors to make their way through the pit and sell food and refreshments as well as workers for the pit to take wages on the fighters. The breaks had more than quadrupled the pit's revenue. The mediator looked quite silly, or horrifying depending on how you looked at her, but she had hidden strength in her many spindly legs and was quick to restrain unruly fighters with her strong threads of silk. Kirk gave a shudder of revulsion as she slowly lowered herself over the center of the stone to better observe. Then he and the Xeno migrated to stand beneath her. Up close, he could sense that his opponent was also uncomfortable with the horrific figure overhead, and he could inspect the Xeno in greater detail. It was a little taller than Kirk, and thin brown skin stretched over fleshy bulges beneath. That looked to him as though large Maga was standing beneath its skin ready to tear out at any moment, and he suspected that they would burst upon impact. On the top of its head, it cultured a black kind of fuzz. A mold, perhaps, or perhaps a natural growth. Kirk noticed that the black fuzz also appeared over Zeno's large eyes in the crutch of its underarms. Sparse fuzz lightly dusted its arms and legs, and a strange garment covered the region between its waist and knees. Its grotesque lips were pulled taut, slightly curving upwards at the ends as it held out a hand in what Kirk thought must have been a strange gesture from its home world. The siren suddenly rang out to mark the beginning of the first round, and before his shocked opponent could pull back his appendage, he grabbed it and pulled it closer to himself with two hands, using its exact weight against it. He met its momentum with a tightly balled fist to the face. He half expected his head to explode on impact, but to its credit, the Xeno simply fell over. Something hard met its hand beneath the layers of fat and skin, and Kirk's wrist felt sore.
Dark Murray was screaming for the fleshy Zeno to get back up, even as Kirk knocked back down again. His opponent had a gash beneath his eye where Kirk Aspist had met his soft face, and he was shocked to see that there wasn't a customary blue or green, but red blood pouring out onto the stone. He continued his flurry of hits against the opponent, expecting the fragile flesh to give away with each strike and being disappointed each time. The Xeno tried to roll away to avoid the punches and scratches and attempted to stand several times, pushing itself up onto its two front appendages. Kirk easily followed its movements across the stone, knocking it back down each time it tried to get back up. The crowd was in hysterics, and he could hear Turg yelling for him to stop goofing off. Just as Kirk was winding up for another powerful strike against the down Zeno, the siren rang, marking the end of the first round. Kirk turned to go back to his couch. Zenos of all shapes and sizes began making their way out of the hidden tunnels in the floor and walls of the pit to sell food, drink, and take wages. He turned to Tuag to partake in a little water for himself, but the three-armed Gakaken pushed him in the chest. What the frick was that? Yes, some sort of wise guy. You hear that? Tuag tilted his head in mock listening. They're laughing. You're supposed to be some sort of badass. You ought to hang up your career and take a job shiting out jokes if that's the kind of fight you're going to give them. You got shite for brains, don't you? What did I tell you? What did I frickin' tell you? I told you to kill it. I told you to get the damn joke out of the way. But instead, you play along. Why, I oughta. Thorg's tirade continued as Kirk took a drink of offered by the fan. Kirk kept his mandible still. He didn't know what to say. Something wasn't right with the soft body on the stone. It may have looked as though he was toying with it to Turg and the audience, but Kirk had made every blow count. It didn't make sense to him. It felt malleable beneath his hands and its flesh shook and jerked every time he hit it. But he simply wasn't bursting like he would have expected a soft-bodied Zeno to burst. Kirk turned his back to Turg as he made his way back to the center of the stone for the next round. Perhaps its skin was too tough. Yeah, that's gonna be it. Its skin is holding it together. Kirk moved to face his opponent, raising all four of his arms in a dangerous array. The vendors had left, and the crowds were anticipating a brutal second round. The thwack meditator watched silently overhead, turning to look at his opponent. Kirk noticed that the gash on his face had been coated in a translucent gel of salts. Both of its arms were raised in front of it, the hands on the ends balled into tight fists. It wasn't smiling anymore. The siren rang, and Kirk felt a boulder smash into his delicate mandibles as the Xeno fired off one of its long skin-covered limbs into his face. Kirk instinctively backed off as he reached in his mouth to assess the damage, but the Xeno didn't let up. It stepped forward and struck him again, this time in the crook of the upper arm and the lower left arms. Kirk felt the impact, but his exoskeleton remained intact. He scuttled to the right and tried to hit the Xeno with several powerful bashes. Only one hit landed before the soft-bodied Xeno backed out of reach. For something that was supposed to be fragile, it felt unnaturally solid. Realizing that he had overextended himself, Kirik tried to back up. 
However, before he could contract his forward body back into a balanced position, the Xeno had already circled to his left and had closed in. Blow after powerful blow erupted between his two left arms as the delicate Xeno fired its unsettlingly hard fist into the exact same spot as before. Kirk finally convulsed and threw off his assailant as the spot quickly blossomed with pain. He distanced himself from his doughy opponent before it could stand up once more. Kirk looked at himself to assess the damage and was shocked to see a hole in the crotch between his two left arms and the Xeno fist had broken through the great chitin. Green blood oozed lazily through the wound and Kirk felt suddenly very dizzy at the realization of his injuries. He fell to the growing puddle of his own blood as he struggled to get close the hole with his hands, but it continued to seep between the segments of his fingers. He turned to see the Xeno looming over him. There wasn't much time left before the siren, but Kirkrick knew that it was the end. The Xeno knelt down and pressed its pliable hands against the wound that it inflicted. Its soft flesh pressed against the hard exoskeleton to make a near-perfect seal, and it began shouting at the crowd in an unintelligible tongue. It turned its head to the left and right, screeching in its strange language as it tried to remedy the damage it had done. The siren rang to mark the end of the second round. Before Kirk's mind slipped into oblivion, a single thought drifted across his mind. Nobody follows the damn rules. Kirk awoke to a gentle caress of Tuag's hand slapping him hard between these antennae. Colors and shapes became solid images as his consciousness returned. Reaching up with his shaky right arm to hold the assault, he tried to murmur out a protest. Arsol, what in the six hells was that? You'd almost died, you piece of shite. Turk berated him before he could speak. Kirk could see the distraught Zeno talking to the Maruri at the edge of the stone. He must not have been unconscious for very long. Remembering his wound, Kirk reached his lower arm across his body to feel the hardened foam of the emergency patch seeding the hole. The paltry crowds had four but left, though a few individuals had stuck around to meet the new fighter. Kirk tried to speak, but his mouth parts weren't moving as they were supposed to, and it felt as though there weren't as many as there were before. Standing up, he made his way over to the opponent despite the glares Twag was sending his way. Kirk walked around the stone to the opposite side, and as he approached, the jet black Mirari stopped its consolation and nodded in his direction. The Xeno turned to face him before standing up abruptly, chatting in his liquid language. Before either of them could meet, the mirror interjected itself between the two fighters. The Xeno continued to blabber behind the mirror peeking over its shoulder to look at Kirk as it blathered on. Hey, whoa, Kirk, slow down. Listen, before you do anything rash, my human just wants to let you know that it's sorry. I tried to explain that it's all part of the sport, but the dumb thing can barely understand a lick of Interworld Basic. It says it lost its cool after the first round. Whatever the hells that means, the Mirari waved its spindly arms as it talked, gesturing wildly in the air. Just calm down, okay? You're lucky that stupid thing acted so quickly or it would have killed you, you know. I just hope that you're not looking for another fight, is all I'm saying. Kirk chose not to say anything, not that he could. Instead, he pushed the larger Mirari out of the way and extended a hand towards the blubbering human. It ceased its talking and took his hand firmly in its own, shaking them slightly. 
It smiled at him. Hey, you son of a twok, what the frick are you doing? The moment our peace was not long lived as Twog stomped over and furiously pulled Kirk away from the human. You brainless buffoon, that piece of shite nearly killed you, and you go back to make gaga faces at it, get to it too hard in the head or something. Twog looked at his face as they made their way to the exit. Never mind that, that fricking Zeno really did a number on you. For frick's sakes, wait till we find you a mirror. Your face is all sorts of messed up. I'd be surprised if you can talk at all once we get your mouth fixed. Hello, is Kirk in there? Your brains get scrambled or something. Kirk allowed his coach to ramble on as they made their way up to out of the pit. Kirk felt oddly satisfied despite the terrible day. His career wasn't over, thanks to the confused misgivings of the other fighter. But he wouldn't get his chance to fight the championship. Losers in the pit usually died, so a cut with the prize money wasn't reserved for him, and he suspected he's lost a good chunk of his fans and all of his dignity. He'd lost to a soft-bodied alien. He needed at least a cycle for his exoskeleton to grow back, and a good long string of one fights for his career to recover. Kirk doubted that Tuag would ease up on the training while he healed, but his buy-in to the championship had been lost and with that last fight. Still, despite his embarrassing defeat and altogether dismal day, he couldn't wait to see what the human would do to Gokudu. End of story. And that, my friends, concludes this dose of science fiction fun. I hope that you enjoyed And if you did, please don't forget to support the author from the link down below. But if you want to support this channel, there are links as well down below for you to help with. But the easiest way would be to share this video. And if you are so inclined, subscribe as well. I will see you all in the next episode. And I hope that you all have a fantastic time until then. Cheers.